Hello and welcome to episode 104 of the Motorific Podcast. Thank you for waiting so patiently as we wade through our personal lives to make time and come and talk to you again. In this episode, I'm going to give you guys a nice little review of my experience with Reg Pridmore's class motorcycle school in uh, north of Los Angeles, actually, in Southern California. And I'm going to also throw out a couple of questions that came in from someone who uh, wants to talk to me a little bit in more detail from Women on Wheels Motorcycle Group Club, excuse me. They're a national club represented in probably all 50 states, I believe, and there are chapters everywhere. And um, she sent us an email just wanting to talk a little bit more in depth about uh you know, when you're a shorter rider, just some of the issues that you're trying to deal with and how to kind of get around those obstacles. So I'm going to throw a couple of those out. Oh, we have some industry news to get to you and some bike updates, some new bikes. I don't know. And then whatever else we feel like talking about or we have time for. <laughs> so why don't we kick off with some news, maybe, before we jump into hot topicking? Well, let's see. If you bought a Zero motorcycle in 2012, there is a recall for all 218 Zero motorcycles sold that year. Um, the 2012 model year has a battery issue that could lead to fire. So Ooh. you definitely want to get that squared away. If you were one of the early adopters of the Zero motorcycle, this does not affect later models. So don't don't. Don't worry if you uh, have a, a 2014 or 13 or something even more recent. Um, as far as uh, small bikes, small bikes, big change. Um, in addition to the Honda Grom, which was, I think, the first small bike, you have the Kawasaki. What's the name of theirs? I'm forgetting. Me too. Um, Z125. Yes. Uh, we now will have the opportunity to have a Benelli. Benelli was purchased uh, by a, a Chinese company, if I'm not mistaken, and they are putting out a small bike called the TNT 135. It's a 135cc four-stroke single fuel-injected electric start-equipped, of course. Um they are testing those. I believe we had uh, some feedback um, on it in Southern California. A tiny 1.9-gallon fuel tank and 11.3-horsepower. Uh, but we are talking a 135cc motorcycle. So with a price point of 2500 hopefully it will entice perhaps some uh, folks from the new bike market. I pretty sure that a, a Grom is somewhere between 4500 and 5000 So for sure, um, definitely going to be a, a competitive bike. Now, servicing and parts and such are a totally different issue because we don't have a lot of Benelli's here in the U.S., but I guess only time will tell. Let's see. I guess uh, the only other maybe tidbit I can share is that I went on a motorcycle comparison test on friday like a demo uh, ride uh yeah you could like say that uh, shopping for a bike three girls no, no. three oh. girls three small displacement motorcycles oh 
It's also three girls with a, a large inseam. So unfortunately, mm-hmm. we couldn't score a couldn't score a shorty. You didn't stick in town long enough. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I did get to ride the Versus three hundred, the Kawasaki Versus, the twenty eighteen Royal Enfield Himalayan, and the BMW G three ten GS. And I can tell you that uh, after not being in the dirt for a substantially long period of time, it's been several years since I've actually done something more than a flat surface, I can tell you that um, I definitely prefer uh, something that isn't incredibly nimble. <laughs> think, uh, think a tractor with a, a, a very wide gear ratio um, would be my preference. I did the class school this week in... Rosamond, California, which is an hour and 20 minutes north of LA, three hours if you're screwed in traffic like I was. Um, And I rented a CB500R. Sorry, CBR500R. I want to make sure I get this right. Yeah, Japanese bikes always throw in a lot of extra, extra um, consonants. Yeah, it's a CBR500R. And, um, it, she was good. I mean, it's a 471cc twin. Um, certainly, plenty more than what I need would need on the on that track. I rode the streets of Willow. So if you've been down to Willow Springs, that's the big track, like more like a three mile track, something like that. And then the streets of Willow is a small street like track at about one and a half miles long or something like that. It's it's a very short track, but it's a much tighter. Uh, slower speed track, 1.6 miles. And um, there's it's built on a hill, so there's a banked corner, there's elevation change, just like a like you'd be on a mountain somewhere on a you know on your favorite canyon road. So very, very different from what I'm used to. I've never ridden a track like that. Um, also a little rougher than what I'm used to as well like New Jersey is pretty well paved and has bright white lines you know on on the edge of on the left and right side and it has very pretty bright apex markers you know the red and white checkers so a lot of markings Um, so that took some getting used to and then just getting used to a track I've never been on before is always something that just takes time and to adjust to I'm on someone else's bike. I've never ridden it before. I don't want to crash it. <laughs> tires that aren't track tires, street tires, um, just everything new. Oh, God, and I was breaking in a new suit, which is really a bad <laughs> idea. Don't ever do that. It's really a bad idea. Um, so kind of <laughs> I just made this a really challenging day for myself. And if Who I just love the challenge, Joanne <laughs> certainly does. I do, but I also wanted to have fun. So I, if I could plan it out a little bit better, if I just took some time to plan ahead, then I think I could have made it just a little bit more um, efficient than uh, than how I rode that day. Mainly one of the biggest problems I had was my suit because it was tight and I didn't have spend enough time in it to really get it to start, to have it really break in more than where I got it. It took me all day 
to really feel comfortable in that suit, to feel more comfortable in it, to where I could body position and not feel restricted. So if you feel restricted by your suit, it's usually, I would say, one of a couple things. One, it's too small. Um, Two, or sorry, adding to that, it might be too short for you. You might have a tall, long waist and you picked a suit that was too short in the waist and maybe you need a longer suit versus a size up. Mm-hmm. Um, it's new and you only spent four hours in it maybe total or a couple hours and you bought it last minute like I did. Um, and then that makes it challenging to lean forward, uh, you know, knee forward, hunker, because then you're really, as soon as you're in that aggressive position, you're really like pulling at the suit from neck to waist and you're stressing, you're kind of pulling at it. And so for me, when I would do that, I just wanted to sit up because it was just so tight. But five laps later, (laughs) five sessions later, it felt great. But I just, I don't know, I I, I don't know what I was thinking. I just didn't really plan ahead. So, but the good news is I'm ready for my next track day. And when I get that suit on, I'll be fine. Um, I basically bought a new version of the one I had, which is an Alpine Stars Motegi V2 women's suit. And the new suit fits totally different than the last one. For perspective, uh, I am the same weight. And if anything, my waist uh, fit has gone up probably an inch. So my belly's probably about an inch bigger than it was when I wore the last one. And I went down a full size. I went down from a 40 to a 38. So it's that much more room and that much space for, uh, you know, anyone who needs just a looser fitting suit because that last one was really tight and I just barely made that work because I, I posted videos of myself trying to zip it up and, and, um, I wrote a little kind of overview of breaking in that suit and some tips for that. And it was, it was really hard because it was a tight suit and this one's definitely better, but it's, they've changed the fit so much. And even for men, if you're looking at the men's Alpine Stars Motegi V2 suit, same thing. They really relax that suit more. So there's more room in the chest and waist and shoulders. It's just a bigger fitting suit. And a lot of us can size down because it's so roomy. So that was good. But just the bad is the rookie move I made by buying it so last minute. But I still had a great time. Uh, If you don't know anything about class motorcycle schools, they certainly do track training, but they are not a race school. They have no intention of making you into someone who's a competitive racer or rider. They'd actually prefer you to go a lot slower than you're going so that you can be more precise and consistent with your riding techniques and your riding abilities. So for me, my nemesis is speed. I like to go a little bit faster and then my accuracy goes down. Surprise, surprise. So it was good, I think, being on that CBR 500 because you couldn't, I couldn't go zero to 80 in four seconds like I normally would. Um, so, and because the straightaway was so short, it was not very long. And the last thing I wanted to do was like speed up to a hundred 
and then slam my brakes on at the top of the straight. So I only went like 70 in the straightaway, I think, and then beefed up my corner speeds because for me, that's where I find the most fun is in the corners. I'd rather go faster in my corners and I'd rather slow down in the straights because I have way more fun doing that and leaning over. Um, fortunately, I leaned over a little too much uh, I leaned the bike over too much instead of my body and scraped the pegs a few times, which really, like, that's just kind of freaked me out a little bit. I didn't crash or anything because of it, but it was just kind of like, oh, I think I just scratched something. Um, but I I think I was able to work on my lines and my path of travel and um, just being more consistent with getting into the corner and coming out of it so that my exit speed was up and I always hit to try to hit my marks. Um, unfortunately it took like probably three sessions for me to get a little bit more comfortable. And by that time uh, it was almost the end of the day and it just goes by so fast, but I really recommend a more advanced uh, school like class. I think they are absolutely worth flying out to. If you live across the country and you're looking for a school that really is focusing on you as a competent street rider and trying to give you as many tips and tricks to um, be better on the road, this is the school for you because it is so unlike any other track day I've been to. The attention is really focused um, it's a much more familial atmosphere. Like, imagine your best friends are running a motorcycle school on the track, and they want you to come out and have a really great time, make new friends, and ride your heart out and not hurt yourself. And that's, I would say, the best way I can describe the way that Gigi and Reg Pridmore run their school. So, I highly recommend it. You can rent a bike when you get there if you want to. Of course, you can bring your own. They'll do the inspection for you. You don't even have to do the full track day prep that you would on a traditional open track day, like swap out your coolant, um, safety wire, um, tape every single thing and take off your mirrors and take everything off. They actually just taped up a few people's and it was fine. Um, you didn't even have to wear a one-piece track suit. They just want you to wear some safety gear that covers everything head to toe in a one or two-piece format. And you can even wear some of your street gear. So it's just not as intense as some other track schools. You know, it is a, it is quite a far, uh, you know, distance to travel. But they do Besides Streets of Willow, they do go to VIR. They go to Virginia International Raceway. So if you're on the East Coast, please consider that. Uh, we'll post a link to their website. I forgot to mention that this track day I did was actually a women-specific. So there were about 20, 25 of us, and there were two groups, an A and a B. And I put myself in the A group, which is a little bit faster group, more aggressive group, which is probably good. And then they let you kind of get a feel for what was comfortable. And the instructors were all really nice. They were all very enthusiastic and respectful. And they were fantastic. And, of course, Gigi was great. And I got to spend some time with her, and that was really fun. Um, and they, you know, they want you to ask a lot of questions 
like ask as many as you want. They want you to, you know, get a feel for things and get better. That's really, really was their focus. And, and, uh, I thought they did a really great job. So I hope you'll check them out. Uh, send them an email if you have questions and we'll post a link to the website. So that's how I spent my week. That was, um, just last week I left or I went there on Wednesday, the 11th and I'll post some photos and I'll do a little write up soon too. So stay tuned for that. And, and we'll have to hope that based on this article in common tread, that track days and future events at tracks won't, uh, won't be, uh, hindered by a lawsuit. Um, yeah. So that's apparently, uh, this guy did a track day at uh, Laguna Seca and based on video which you know I I'm just telling you what other people who know what they're doing have stated but um, based on video the uh, the guy would have been fine if he would have just committed he was on the wrong line he um, elected to leave the track and ended up uh, nicking a sandbag that was put there to prevent water from probably getting onto another part of the track. As you know, Laguna Seca tends to rain quite a bit. So he, um, he crashed and broke his femur, which is kind of like when you know of uh, quite a few racers and other folks who have broken so many parts of their body, it seems pretty, um, pretty basic. Ah, it's just a femur. What about collarbones, lungs, shoulders, etc.? But apparently he is suing the track day provider, which has been around for 16 years without a lawsuit. Uh, also suing Laguna Seca. Also tried to pull Mazda into that lawsuit, mm. uh, which Mazda um, was let, let loose of that. Um, and uh, yeah, uh, that will be interesting um, and, and unfortunate that... Uh, He's chasing millions of dollars because he signed a waiver that said, hey, motorcycling is dangerous. This is a track day. Don't be a hero. And uh, ended up uh, taking something a little uh, a turn incorrectly and elected to, instead of stay committed to his uh, position, go off course and then got into some trouble. So um, that we will post the Common Tread article because I just grazed over it um we will post that on our show notes so you can read the full uh, write-up and also see the video since it was captured by a rear-facing camera on the back of another motorcycle so it's that would severely limit track days in the future um which hopefully doesn't happen because well Based on a, a lot of recent events, it's clear that people need to get their uh, their speed out on the track where it's a little bit safer as opposed to um, going on our local roads at uh, track speed. And also, really, the experience I went through, and I went to the track for a completely different reason than many, many people go to. And Sure. And, and Not to get the let out. Well, kind of. I mean, yes and no, I guess. Yeah. I mean, I do see a track day as a place that I can just let loose a little bit. I mean, not so loose that I crash, but just looser than on the street because it's not safe to do 
what I want to do on the street. And especially a, an organization like class, um, they are so different from other track day schools that I just can't see how any reasonable person could go to a class like I, like the one I did and then turn around and go, Oh, it's your fault that that thing was there where I shouldn't have been because I made the mistake and now yeah. I'm going to sue you. And which is insanity. I think it's like a wall or a tree. Those are also uh, there off track. What happens when you hit one of those? That's why uh, you go out to Chuckwalla where it's the desert and all you do well, is continuously go well, in the sand. I mean, no, there's not. <laughs> no, there aren't obstacles like trees and walls. I, I don't I, know. No, I'm, I'm uh, just making light of Macau and then uh, some oh, other God. courses back east have trees off in the distance. Oh, yeah. But those are, I mean, those are like distances beyond the runoff. I mean, sure. in general... Yeah, you don't have. It's not a tree lined, uh, tree lined runoff where you have uh, no, 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 no. uh, Marquez and Um, and Rossi uh, departing the course, going through the trees, and then coming back on. I mean, when you go to a a, that would be exciting, legitimate, at least motorcycle racetrack, they have really fully thought about clearing the track areas so that there's plenty of runoff and there's distance. And if there is a fence, it's uh, usually something that's meant to be crashed into, not like a wooden wall or something like that. Like the barriers are kind of the the surroundings of the track are always thought about, at least I'd say for any reputable racetrack, like a New Jersey or Laguna Seca or whatever. I mean, they, you know, that's the whole point. But what I'm worried about is that because the legality of things may not necessarily line up with, okay, the common sense things, just looking at it, right, for, as a writer, we can mm-hmm. go, oh, God, this is ridiculous. But from a legal perspective, I mean, God, we see every day how people who should not be free are walking the streets due to legal things that get them out of um, technicality. They, I think right. is the word you might be looking for. That yeah, exactly. They are free and they are not guilty because of legal technicalities. And I can see this going in a terrible place where, legally speaking, they are quote liable, but not in a more practical way. I'm. It's awful. And so the school, the organization that was running that day, he's being sued and he has a GoFundMe going to pay for his legal costs. And uh, we'll post a link to that as well if you want to support him. But it's... Yeah, because this is, this could be setting precedent for future. Oh, it um, totally could. Which will, which totally will affect could. the insurance uh, companies. Everything. And of course, higher insurance premiums need higher expenses for track days, or the track may just elect to not make their track available for track days, period. What's kind of ironic is that this guy's company, um, I want to say he's a CEO, but I, I yeah, might be I think mistaking, so. uh, CEO of a company where it's like a motorcycle with uh, 
with an excessively wide wheelbase and a car I mean, built. Many of us it. would argue that is nowhere near a motorcycle, but he's trying to make something new and different. Sure, it, it basically has two wheels and an engine somewhere in the middle, and it looks like a, a bike that's totally raked out with like a, a little passenger, a tiny passenger vehicle, a, a single around it. So yeah. the irony here is that if he wins and pisses off everyone so that none of us can ever see a track uh, unless we're uh, competitively racing, then everyone should basically bury that uh, that company of his. Boycott it. Oh, yeah. I think the blowback will be fierce if he does. Um, I, yeah, I, I don't. Mm. It makes me really mad. It just really, 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 really makes me mad because this is not what you should be using your ability to sue people for. You should sure. be using it in ways that make people's lives better. And a little less ambulance chasing. Yeah, this is just not, uh, it's just not right. I mean, there's so many of us who use track days to be better riders and to be safer and you're going to ruin it. heroes. No. And you know what's really ironic is he's upset because he didn't think the environment was safe. Well, why did you, why are you going to go onto the track then? You know that you could hurt yourself. You know that you could get hurt because it is something really dangerous and risky. We all know that, but we do it anyway because we love it. You know, we crash, we get up. And we keep riding because we love it. Just like, I don't know, if you get into a car accident in your car, you still have to go to work and you still need to drive your kids to school and you need to drive your mom to the doctor. You're not going to give up cars. Most people, I would say, I'm, I know, I'm, I'm sure there are people who, you know, get spooked by car accidents and they don't drive for a while or they stop driving, but it's, it's risky and it's not fair to the rest of us who do there. want to continue track day education and yeah, and when better. we sign a waiver, we actually mean it. Yes, and I and I. It, he I'm also still said that he was away by that. Uh, he was upset that they didn't mention it at the rider meeting, but we should also he mention that missed he missed it. The rider meeting. There's a there's just so much responsibility that we have to take. On ourselves and there's a family of groundhogs that live off of turn five they probably should have mentioned that in the writer meeting as well you never <laughs> know when one of them might just pop their head out and spook you Maybe, as you're right? going around the corner i yeah i just i i'm pulling for simon and his legal team i hope they kick ass and i hope they somehow get this thing thrown out or something i i hope i hope the legalities and the technicalities are on their side um yeah, no, we'll post a link to that article for you as well so you can read through and debate it at dinner with all your friends and see where people fall. I'm sure that car, you know, people who don't ride motorcycles will fall perfectly on one side, maybe, and those of us that are both may fall to the other. I, I, I don't know. I don't know. I think it's just so, hard to look at when you're not a motorcyclist. True, and that's... Potentially, why it got as far as it did in the yeah. in the legal uh, yeah. world. Um, so let's fill our heads with something nice and fluffy and bright pink <laughs> unicorns. Uh, how's uh, how's oh, unicorns. the uh, sport bike rally? Oh, perfect. So, women's sport bike rally. Just to repeat myself again, West Coast is July thirteen to fifteen, Camarillo, California. 
and uh, anyone can att- any woman can attend. You can even bring up to two guests, and your guests pay a little bit less than you because they don't get the goodie bags and they don't get to win all the cool stuff. Um, but they get to come and then eat with us and party with us. And then September, it's seventh to ninth in Deals Gap in North Carolina. It, uh, the headquarters will be at the Iron Horse Motorcycle Resort, which is amazing. And I'm hoping to be at the September rally at this point. It's not looking too good that I'll actually be at the July rally because I had to choose between that and my family. And I'm always going to choose my family. So I'm not too um, sad to say but, I'll be in Hawaii instead. Oh, I was just about to say, <laughs> let's be clear. When you say choose your family, are we yes. talking Mission Street burritos or, oh, oh no. I see poke. Vacation. Yeah, like family vacation in Hawaii. Wow, in Hawaii. Yeah, so that's the plan. I'd pass up riding motorcycles (laughs) to hang out in Hawaii. Well, I don't do it a lot. Exactly. The last time I had a family vacation, I was 12. I was just about to say, I don't remember you talking about lots of family vacations. I mean, I go home every year, of course, and I've gone home twice this year, but family Mm -hmm. vacation with my nieces. Yeah, but in Hawaii, I'm going to be eating all okay. the Hawaiian stuff. I'm so excited. And Hawaiian barbecue. Oh, I can't mm-hmm. wait. And Hawaiian food. Everything. It's just going to be great. Beaches. Drinks with the drinks. little plastic monkeys hanging yeah. off of them. Swimming. The beach. Uh, I don't know. We'll see. Waterfalls. Mm. Uh, I just can't wait. Helicopter ride. Check out waterfalls. Uh, we'll see. Uh, yeah. We're going to Honolulu. I hope. Fingers crossed. So they're not... My plans aren't 100% set in stone, but that's kind of where things are looking right now. If a miracle occurs, I will be at the West Rally. Um, but this year, I'm really proud to say how 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 much we've gotten done with the rally. Brittany Morrow is our national director, and I help her out with marketing. And we have filled all of our sponsorship positions uh, with a group of wonderful companies that clearly support women who love sport bike riding because we are the minority only about 10 12 something percent of women who ride actually ride sport bikes and the rest ride cruisers and classics and standards and it's really important for us to be seen also because we also want to grow our percentages just like if you're a woman rider you want to see more women riding well I want to see more women riding sporty bikes and it it says a lot I think when a company says we're going to give you some money and we support what you're doing and we support the women who also love riding sport bikes we want you guys to thrive we want more women to ride sport bikes here you go so please take a look at some of the sponsors we have the only sponsorship we did not fill yet is presenting. So it's just the Women's Sport Bike Rally. But if you want to participate and present this year's rally, it could be the Women's Sport Bike Rally presented by somebody, by you. <laughs> so I'm really proud. I'm really excited. It's going to be an awesome year. We're going to have incredible raffle prizes. We're going to have really great giveaways, just a lot of support. Um, we even have an official sunscreen for the uh, for the webs. Sorry, for the rally as well, and that's Goddess Garden, and hmm. they make an all natural sunscreen. They've been mentioned on numerous TV networks, news channels. They're 
uh, all natural, organic. They also do some other facial care products as well. They just they just do a really nice job, and that's our official skincare or sunscreen for the rally. And if I didn't mention it before, all proceeds from the rally go directly to the Skin Cancer Foundation. So I spend my own money to go to the rally. I pay for my hotel. I pay for my own way because all the money is supposed to go to the foundation and not my pocket, not our pockets. So that's why we, um, since we don't have a presenting sponsor, we a lot of us who volunteer our time also volunteer our money. Do you guys so, change charities annually nope. or is that the same charity every year? Uh, it's the same charity every year. And the reason is because the rally is dedicated to the um, she's known as the original sport bike girl and her name was Tiffany and you can read all about her on the website uh, if you go to womensportbikerally.com it has a nice little overview on the on the main page our cra- our cause excuse me is uh, the skin cancer foundation because um, well a couple things the original founder uh, had a melanoma and she found it early and she was able to save herself from skin cancer. And then it's also in memory of Tiffany Werbach who did die from skin cancer. She was like 20 in her early twenties. I can't remember how old she was. Yeah. So 1997 and she had her own website. Skin cancer. Yes. She was 24. And her website she started back then was sportbikegirl.com, and she called herself as the first sport bike girl. So way before, God, way before I was even thinking about the internet or doing mm-hmm. anything with the internet, this girl was online sharing her love of sport bikes, track days, and unfortunately she, yeah, she died at 24. And so the Skin Cancer Foundation is an important charity because when we were out there riding, you know how many people you see wearing absolutely nothing. And it's, of course, the danger of, you know, road rash and certainly um, hurting yourself. That's that's always there. But the other thing people forget about is just the exposure. Your skin is is absorbing just so much sun and too much to where you're making yourself so vulnerable to skin cancer um, just beyond the issue of, getting a sunburn you know you're you're opening yourself up so that's why one of our hashtags is skin safety and you know going along with gearing up but also covering up your skin and um yeah that's why the rally is continually dedicated to the foundation so if you can make it please do i hope i thank you for reading my mind because that was Mm -hmm. my question Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll let you guys know if I end up at both rallies for sure when I can make that announcement. Mm. One place I am going to be at that I do want to let anyone in or near Durango, Colorado. If you're within a day's ride of Durango, Colorado, is the Women's Motorcycle Summit. Did you and figure that, out what you're going to talk about yet? Uh, yeah, I'm basically going to do a couple of gear presentations um, it is the weekend of June 9th, and the summit is actually a week long from the 10th all the way to the 16th, I believe, and they have a whole week of things planned. My role is really just Sunday. There's a uh, kind of like a vendor day and a workshop day, a seminar day. So I'm going to do a helmet fitment seminar, and then I'm also going to do a gear workshop. I haven't 
really, I haven't really figured out exactly what I want to talk about, but I'll probably do an overview of uh, motorcycle gear and kind of what to look for and what the differences are. Just more of a broad, I think, focus. I might also do some personal one-on-one appointments as well with people if you have specific needs and you want to sit down for like 20, 30 minutes and talk about options and fit and sizing for yourself, then I'm, I will be available to do that. Is the, uh, the bulk of the women that go to this still predominantly cruiser, uh, yeah, cruiser enthusiasts? Yeah, it's a big chunk of the V twin, yeah. uh, riding mm-hmm. market. Then definitely it's, you probably, well, of course you already know this, the two things that come to mind as potentially uh, helpful for someone who is a cruiser enthusiast is Mm -hmm. leather uh, when it's too thick or when it's too thin or, you know, just right. And then mesh. Cause I think a lot of people wear some ridiculously thin stuff that is nothing uh, in, not really that protective, but definitely lets a lot of air pass through. So I think what to look for in the mesh category might be super helpful. Maybe. I think some of them also, I think at least just the little bit I, I got from speaking with the coordinator is just the general discussion of gear, like wearing Mm -hmm. it versus not wearing it and what options are available because Mm -hmm. a lot of, you know, a lot of women are concerned with fashion and styling and wanting to find something that meets both fashion and safety. But um, so I might do some overviews of that kind of, you know, what are some options available? You know, why you should choose this versus what's in your closet, something like that. It'll be probably a little bit more, yeah, a little bit more of an overview and less super detail. I, I don't know. I haven't quite figured it out, but I'm basically doing a gear gear, two gear workshops. I may throw in a third workshop. Um, I need to talk to her about it a little bit more, but I'm thinking about something like, um, you know, transitioning your bike style, maybe moving, how to move from a kind of cruiser or standard lifestyle to a sporty or sport touring or adventure kind of transitioning. I, I don't know. I've got a few things I'll be doing, but Come find me. Please register. You can also register for a one-day only because I think the registration is for the whole week of the summit. But if you just want to come Sunday, then I believe there's an option for that. So we'll post a link to the website for that one. So I'll be there in June. Um, Weather should be nice. Hopefully you can jump on a motorcycle for a a hot, hot second. We'll see. Depends. My flight is late on Monday, so I might have some time to go riding um yeah we'll see so that's kind of how my summer is shaping up um what else did we cover the news that you wanted to cover indeed okay uh then i guess my last thing i want to briefly touch on is um talk a little bit about fitting a new bike whether you're, you have 20 bikes and you're trying to buy another one or whether it's your first bike. And then I also want to throw in kind of a couple of uh, pieces of advice for short folks out there who are choosing um, 
who are choosing a new bike for the first time or just a new bike. Maybe you ride a cruiser and you're like, I want to get into the adventure side or I want to get into the sporty side. You know, what do I do? Or what do I, what should I be looking at? Um, because that, I think that a lot of the issues that I may face as a short rider, they're the same issues as anyone faces as mm -hmm. just being a rider. And my height is just one component of that a lot like money maybe you know you want to spend eight grand on this awesome bike that you want but you only have four so what are you going to do um you know GoFundMe is the most common no. i think lately no. <laughs> starting no. to see a lot of that stuff uh yeah GoFundMe used for good is in the yeah. minority uh but well, i digress i digress yeah, used I'm not gonna... used would be the bike of your dreams at eight grand but you only have four you would yeah. look for something that hopefully has been on the market for a couple of years such that yeah. you could go look for a, a used one you save some money or um i don't know i mean we have obstacles as riders all the time and height is just one of them training and, wheels stepladder <laughs> right or yeah i mean just having the resources and coming up with a plan is, I think, a huge part of that. And that's a big step I think many, many, many riders miss, regardless of height. Just, I want this bike. I don't know why, but I just want it. And without really giving any thought at all to, can I ride it? Should I ride it? How am I going to ride it? You go out and you buy it. How am I, right. How am I going to afford the insurance? Don't Maybe worry, I've bought the dress insurance. that way too. Well... Right. And those are decisions you might regret. So I need this dress. I, I think that one thing that affects short folks more is picking a bike that is just beyond your experience level. You got to be honest with yourself. You really do. Because in the end, you, you, Y-O-U, have to ride it. Not your friend, not your boyfriend, not your mom, not your dad, not your neighbor. Y-O-U. And if you don't make the right decision, it's you who suffers the consequences of that. And then you end up in turmoil. Oh my God, but I bought this bike. I spent eight grand on it. I spent $10,000. I already bought all the matching gear. Now what am I going to do? Well, now I'm stuck with it. So now I got to make myself do something that I don't want to do anymore or make myself learn something that I don't want to learn um, or lie to myself about what am I really doing here? Is it because my husband wants me to? My wife wants me to? See how I said husband and wife, not just husband. Um, there's just a number of things that you're always wrestling with. And the one thing that you should never wrestle with is you. Because no matter what happens, you're the one who has to either crash on that bike. You're the one who has to figure out um, how to sell it. You're the one that's going to have to figure out how to pay for it. Um, how to write it, it all comes back to you. So I find that many, many writers, they really, they kind of are doing what they want. You know, well, I like it because it's red or it's blue. It's the color I want. It looks cool. But that really isn't for you. That's really for them. So when you are picking a bike, I strongly, strongly urge you to really look at what you need as an individual rider, whether you're short or tall or whatever, but please, please pick something that really is appropriate for what you're trying to accomplish and what you really want to do because 
you're not going to have one bike forever. And I know there's probably like four people out there that have the same bike that that have had their first bike forever. But I wouldn't say that's a good thing. To me, that's you're almost holding yourself back a little bit by having the same bike for 20 years. If you only have had one, you're missing out on on learning. You're missing out on getting better. You're missing out on making mistakes, maybe. There's just a lot of different things, I think, that play into that. But I, I see it a lot, a lot, 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 especially with women because ego I, I yeah and it doesn't seem like we have ego but oh we have ego right sure Especially, of course yeah right i dropped should... many motorcycles that everyone <laughs> tried to push on me when i was first uh buying a bike right. in keto right and i ended up going with the one that i dropped the least <laughs> especially if <laughs> someone's telling you you can't do that or you shouldn't do that then i think Which a lot is of like us, everything i want to do on a bike right I, a lot of you us are like yeah, i can do that i'm gonna do that just because you said I can't, I'm going to do it, you know, or, or you just want to prove to yourself that you can do something. And I think we can all relate to that. Yeah. And of course my answer to that is start small. Always because the goal of smarting small is so that you can go big Mm -hmm. because if you start big, trust me, you'll go right back to small (laughs) at the end of the day. I don't think there's anything more emotionally challenging than being a new rider, buying a, a R1200 GS and then, realizing that it was too much for you and going out and buying like a, a 300 ninja or something. Well, um, I think that's where I, a lot of people just give up emotionally recover from that. Yeah. If, if there yeah. is any recovery at all, it's just, I think that's going to look worse in front of all your friends than to start small and, uh, very comfortably graduate to a, a bigger motorcycle. Yeah. And friends stop Not telling your friends better either. Yeah, stop telling your friend that they're stupid and stop telling your friends that they're lame or stop making your friends feel bad about those choices. Unless their safety is at risk, then that's a different issue. Mm -hmm. But if you're on big, bad V-twins, don't make fun of your friend just because he or she chose something smaller. Guess what? They're making a smarter decision and you should never penalize your friends for doing that. And by the way, Mm -hmm. if you have friends like that, they're not friends you want to ride with. Time to get new friends. No, those at least riding friends. Sure, yeah. you love your people and you you love your friendships. I get that. But if they don't respect you as a rider for making choices for yourself that are good for you and not for them, then those are not riding friends you want to have because they're not going to help you get better. I mean, they're not going to stick with you if you can't keep up and you might get lost. They're not going to wait for you at the V and stop there and make sure that when you get there, there's someone there to point you which direction everybody went try to find people and you know what if you can't find people then go alone because at some point you're going to ride alone and for me that's that's the decision I had to make as much as I wanted to find like a cool group of people I just I had to make a very specific decision that if I don't learn if I don't make myself do this by myself then I'm never going to ride because I'll never want to ride alone and why am I riding a motorcycle if I always want to ride with a person? At least if I'm trying to learn and figure things out, like I got to do it on my own because Evan's not going to be there to ride for me. You know, if I really want to learn how to ride, then I, I have to learn how to ride by myself. And then, 
you know, make mistakes and get help from strangers. I mean, this is, again, assuming that, you know, you're riding pretty safely and you're just maybe apprehensive or your kind of confidence is low. But there, there's a number of reasons. There could be a thousand reasons, you know, or things going on that are contributing to your failure or your lack of self-esteem or lack of self-confidence. Um, it, it just depends on you, but I just, just want other short folks to know that there are lots of options. We just have to make different decisions sometimes. And it might take a little bit longer than you expect, which I think is the case for anything that you want to get good at. Especially when you're this little. Oh, so much <laughs> awesome in such a tiny package. <laughs> yeah. Trying. Just trying to dump everything in my brain out into the world and hope it reaches someone who needs it. So I'm going to have a nice conversation next week with a woman from the Women on Wheels organization. And then she's going to publish an article. So when that comes out, I will definitely share it because we're going to talk pretty in-depth about some of the topics we've discussed. And I think that's it for me. Sorry, I'm really thirsty. Anything else for you, my dear? Um, other than just noting on the interwebs, mm -hmm. uh, one of our, our favorite uh, cruiser-loving <laughs> actors uh, from Full Metal Jacket, Arlie Ermey, passed away. Oh, yes, I saw that. Mm. Gunnery Sergeant Hartman. Yeah. He's been in a ton of movies. When you Google him, you'll know exactly who we're talking about. Like, yes. he's that guy. You're like, oh, that guy. He was connected so to Victory, I think, for quite oh, some really? time. Oh, really? Oh. That's sad. All right. Rest in peace. Yeah. So, uh, I, you know, there are so many expletives in, like, my favorite line that everyone, well, <laughs> my my supervisor <laughs> used to uh, tell me this a lot at the office. But, uh, <clears throat> yeah, I guess there's, there's a comment about... Uh, Hmm. Your neck. Just go ahead and type in uh, FMJ quotes, your neck, and uh, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. And that way I won't offend many, many people who probably <laughs> would write us and let us know about my swearing. So, <laughs> so our, our Arlie Ermy, rest in peace, our hmm. fellow motorcyclist and uh, classy guy. Yeah. Well, um... Since we're at the end, I haven't checked iTunes recently, but I did send out a little plea a couple uh, episodes ago. If you like what you hear, sweep over to iTunes and uh, throw us some love in the comments, please. And in the meantime, visit us at motorific.com. Visit us on Facebook at Motorific Podcast. Find us on Instagram as Motorific Media and Gearchick. And we will hopefully come back to you in a couple weeks. Just looking at the calendar, I'm around. Hopefully we'll be able to, to talk to you guys soon. And always please send an email if there's questions or things you want to chat about. We're always looking for, you know, topics and whatnot uh, to bat around. All 
Alrighty. So ride safe. Please, someone go riding for me because I know it's like 80 degrees out there. Well, mm, it's 45 yes. here. So hot. <sighs> Anyways, have a, <laughs> have a good riding week. Go out there. Go riding. No excuses. We'll talk to you later. <laughs>